movies and uh, want to thank uh, First Lady Renee for stepping in last week and doing a great job. Uh, and, uh, Sister Melissa was going to uh, speak last week and start off the series and then uh, Miss Jeanette, her mother-in-law, uh, got is, they've been taking care of her for some time, but she's having quite many complications and don't know from day to day. And so she wasn't able to be here, as you know, last week, but uh, Renee stepped in and done a wonderful job speaking there, and we're thankful for that. And, and uh, today I want to uh, continue this uh, wonderful life. It is a wonderful life. How many know it is a wonderful life? And... Um, Despite all of life's situations and circumstances, it is still wonderful. It, it is, it's a wonderful life, uh, consistently has been ranked as the top 100 movies of all times. It has been called the number one inspirational film um, for uh, Christmas time that has ever been produced. But the fact is, it was never meant to be a Christmas film at all. It was meant to just be a, a time whenever people after World War II that would be an inspirational film to encourage people in difficult times. And uh, if you've ever seen the movie, which you probably have, or even if you haven't, you're probably familiar with the statement, every time the bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And uh, Proverbs tells us this. Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I mean, know that that is so true. Things you hope for, the things that you believe for, and when they do not come together, when they do not come through, it makes your heart sick. Uh, there is a, a heart sickness that is very difficult to overcome. I mean, no, if your heart's not pumping, you aren't alive. And whenever we don't have the things that we desire, it makes our heart sick and causes us to not function as we normally would. But we see in this story that George realizes that there's one that is more powerful and more ready to help him even than Mr. Potiphar. Mr. Potiphar, well, I'll talk about him in just a moment. You was introduced to him last week. For those who are just coming this morning, we will uh, reiterate that here today. But we see that, that whenever that George was ready to give up his life, and he begins to contemplate his life and what it is worth and feels as though there is no value in life, it is then that Clarence, this angel, has been sent as an answer to George's prayer, and he hurls himself over a bridge so that George, in return, saves him and causes him to realize that his life is valuable and he does have purpose. And so that's what we're going to see here today as they get ready to uh, run this in just a couple of minute uh, reel here and just uh, see what is going on. And it's a wonderful life.
I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out, too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? You, to save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Where do you come from? Heaven. I had to work quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody? AS2, what, what, what's that, AS2? Angel, second class. Sunday school teacher asked her class of children, what is Christmas time for? Many kids had many different unusual answers. Some said it was <clears throat> Jesus' birthday, of course, a time of joy. But one child responded, it's a time for sportsmanship because you don't always get what you ask for. Everybody gets a gift every once in a while that we don't necessarily know what to do with. Got two amens in the front. Uh, USA Today uh, did a study, a survey among adults to find out what they do with gifts that don't quite fit in to what you were looking for. 31% said they keep it. 30% said they hide it. 13% said they throw it away. 12% said they give it away. And 6% said they return it. Every once in a while, we, every one of us, receive something, receive a gift that we're really not sure that we want. In this movie, we find that there has been given a gift that George Bailey does not is not sure that he wants. His gift was the gift of life. And his life seemingly had fallen apart all around him. He had just been going through a loss of his business. He lost his livelihood. He is facing prison for something that he has not done. And he, the result of all of this, his family is facing shame and poverty. And despite of all of this, he pleads with his arch enemy, Mr. Potiphar, for a loan on his life insurance policy. Potter gleefully observes George and he responds to him and says, Well, George, 
you're worth more dead than you are alive. And then George decides that the only solution that he has to resolving this situation is to throw himself over the bridge into the frigid water below and at least supply his family with the finances and money from his life insurance policy. But God steps in and an angel is sent to stop George from doing this and taking his life. But how can you convince a man that has been given this gift to, and wants to throw it away that the reality is, is it is more valuable? An angel comes with the solution. George Bailey wishes to show him uh, that his life is worthless, that his life is not worth living. But then we see the angel begins to come and begins to work this thing out as an answer to prayer. Interesting enough, in this movie was considered a box office flop because of its high production cost and because of the stiff competition during its time. But I wonder uh, what other movies were considered successful that year. Because it is a wonderful life is continuing to be a success today. It would be easy to assume that your life, that everyone here has just been a part of or seen this movie before. But for the three people that have never seen this movie, I want to talk to you today and just try to describe it here this morning. Just give you a synopsis of it. George Bailey played by Jim Stewart is a good man who constantly is trying to help other people in time of need. And he finds himself in his own need. And even he finds himself in this dreadful place where that he has to make a decision in his life whether to go travel and become an architect or he is going to stay home and run the family business, which is a building and loan company following his father's death. And, and when we see this, we see that turning, he chooses to stay at home and to run the building and loan company. And, and it seems as though that things are a struggle, but he's making it. But then his uncle Billy accidentally loses $8,000 of the company's money just before the bank examiner arrives to audit the books. Mr. Potiphar, which is his competitor, which is an evil man, he is the banker who determines that he will give George, uh, or he will get George thrown into jail and he will shut down his banking and loan because he's the only competition in town. George feels that he has let everyone down and decides that he's worth more to his family dead than he is alive and decides to jump off of this bridge. This is where our uh, picture takes place here this morning because all of the town people were praying for George and God sends a a second, an angel, second class, which is named Clarence, to intervene. My question to you today is, who are you praying for? 
Who are you reaching out to? Who are you seeking God for on behalf of someone that is in troubled waters today? If Clarence is successful in saving George, then he makes it to full angel and he receives his wings and he gets the appropriate bell ringing, of course. But we know that this isn't good theology, but it is a good story. And just before George jumps off of the bridge, Clarence is prompted to to go and jump off of the bridge before George does because he knows that in George's heart of hearts that he's always putting other people first. He's always putting other people first. I think that not only is it a good way to live, but it is also biblical. The Bible says that we're to prefer our brother. And George is living this out, and he knows that even though he's in this state of being broke, he's in this state of facing prison, he's in this state of mind that he feels as though that he has no value and no good to his family or to uh, the people around him, that he's not making a difference at all, that George somehow uh, is going to do the right thing. So Clarence, this angel sent from heaven, jumps over the bridge before George can, and George immediately responds like Clarence knew he would. He reaches, he jumps over the bridge himself to save him, and therefore he brings him out of the water, and that is part of what we've seen here today. George was a good man. How many know good people have bad times? have difficult times. The Bible said those who live godly would suffer persecution. You don't have to be a bad person to go through bad things. Amen. So we see that Clarence jumps over, George jumps in to save him and brings him out of the water. After Clarence grants George his wish, he does show uh, his life before him. He shows him how different life would be without him. Have you ever thought how life around you would be different if you weren't there? We ought to make a difference. Our life ought to make an impact. It, it ought to have a, a, and such an impact that things would be different if we were not there. The difference in lives that George would have touched and saved. Even the difference of how the town of Bedford Falls would have been different had he not been there. So as George tries to get back home in this story, he finds that the town he had worked so hard to build up and protect because he was not there had become a den of iniquity and evil. The pharmacist who George saved from making a tragic mistake had become a town drunk. His brother Harry, whom he had saved from falling into the ice, dies because George wasn't there to save him. And hundreds of men die and that Harry would have saved during the war because Harry wasn't there to save them. The beautiful woman that he married and had such a wonderful children with 
ended up becoming a wretched, uh, deranged, lonely woman because she never found the love of her life. George Bailey finally ends, understands how wonderful his life had been because he was allowed to see how much would have been lost if he had never been there. That which he had been tempting to throw away, he came to realize was so valuable to lose. George runs back to Clarence and begs him to allow him to live. And he grants his request, of course, and all turns out well. The bells are rung and an angel gets his wings. And George understands that truly his life really is wonderful. I think of the reason that this movie continues to be at the top 100 list after all of these years is because many of us can relate to it. We can relate to life's changes. We can relate to how difficult and what trouble can come to our lives. All of us have dreamed that didn't work out. All of us have believed and looked forward to something in our lives, but found ourselves in a very different situation than what we dreamed about, what we believed that our life would be or become. All of us have found ourselves in situations where that we found ourselves at the end of the rope, where we found ourselves in despair. There have been times when the enemy has come and made us to believe that we ourselves were of no value. And if you realize it or not, you are very valuable. Amen. You are valuable to your family. Your family would be totally different if it weren't for you. You make an impact upon their lives that sometimes you don't even know about. Your workplace would not have the light shining in it if it weren't for you. You have a purpose in God's plan to make a difference in other people around you. Because there is no one that can be you like you. You are the only one and God made you and created you different than everyone else. And he needed a you in the earth or he would have never created you. You see, we are so busy trying to be someone else. That God can't use us to be who we've been created to be. Everybody's wanting to be something they're not. Huh? Tall people want to be short. Short people want to be tall. Huh? Skinny people want to gain weight. Fat people want to lose it. 
People with hair want to cut it all off. People who don't have any glue it on. Everybody's wanting to be something they're not. <laughs> Isn't it true? We don't, we don't, we, we, we get so caught up in trying to be someone else. We have all of this glamour and all of this bling and all of the things that we see on TV and suggest to us what we should look like and how we should act and how we should respond. But the reality of it is, is the only thing that God wants is you full of the Holy Spirit. Just you and nobody else can be you like you. And guess what? Someone needs you. Thank God for Billy Graham. But God needs you. Thank God for this one, that one, the other one. Thank God for whoever it is in your life that stands out as a mentor, as a, a strong tower, as an encourager. But guess what? God needs you to be a strong tower. He needs you to be an encourager. He needs you to speak peace and strength and hope into situations that seem as though that there's nothing there. And you see, God can use you if you'll just be you. He can't be using you if you're trying to mimic or be someone else that you're not. But when we become who God has created us to be, then we can be a George in the midst of darkness. We can be that one that is a strength and a strong tower to be an encourager to someone who is in a time of need in their own life. Amen. If you realize it or not, you are valuable. And God needs us to engage our culture with love. He cannot engage the culture unless we are willing to be used of him. But when we are willing to be used of him, we can be light in a dark place. We can be hope into the hopeless. We can be strength to those who are weary and find no reason for living. But listen today, friend, when they hear the hope that God has given you, when they hear of how he has blessed you or he has ministered in your life and you tell your story, you tell what he has done for you in your life, it will be an encouragement to other people to say if God brought them through that then he can take care of me as well amen you see today God has been good to us and the enemy it's so easy to gravitate toward negative things to negative thinking, to negative ideas, to negative perspectives of ourselves and others. Because that's the culture of the day. That's what we live in is negativity. And we're drawn to it. But listen, there is something valuable inside of you. God said he has put a, a treasure in these earthen vessels. He has put something valuable on the each inside of each and every one of us. And we need to let our light shine. Amen. You see, today God has brought hope to us. He has brought hope. Now, this is just a little movie, a little story, but the angels are real. And Jesus is real. And there is an angelic host that the Bible said that they are standing at attention, waiting to minister to the heirs of salvation. And so they're there to minister to you and I and to encourage and to help us in the time of our need. 
But you see, God has already done great things for many of us. He's done so many great things for us. And if we are not careful, we can lose sight of the good. I look around, I glance in our small congregation here today and I see the good. I see Brad Estep back here that, that God has brought healing to his life and, and the miracle that the Esteps have experienced. They've told their story and their testimony. I look and I see uh, here Chris and God is delivered and, and set free now two years clean. Amen. Amen. And we thank God for that. David's over here on the other side rejoicing about what God has done in his life for many years now and just bringing hope to them. You see, our community, our region needs to see that hope. I glance and I won't embarrass anyone today, but I see it's said in here this morning, marriages that if it had not been for God's grace and mercy would not even be together here today, but for God's grace and his mercy, we're worshiping together. You see, I'm telling you today that we have a blessed hope. We have a reason to day to let our light shine into a dark place and say if God did it for me he can do it for you as well amen let's give him praise today you see there are people all around us today that are looking for hope amen I know that's been our theme for this year now uh, that we are talking about hope, but it is the reality. It's not just some uh, imagination, but people are desperate for hope. Not even in the, you don't even have to look at it in the church circle, but all you have to do is turn on the television and secular people are talking about hope. Looking for hope. Where can you find hope? How can you get hope? Where is hope? For this situation, for that situation, for what's going on in people's lives. You see, people all around us are looking for hope, peace, goodwill. You see, we have been taught that this season is a season when that we are to celebrate and enjoy peace, goodwill, and joy happiness, hope. And with Jesus, it can be. But what if you have Christmas without Jesus? What if you have all of the blame but have no God? Did you know that statistics tell us that December is the highest murder and robbery time in America? Did you know that Christmas season is second highest time of car wrecks? Did you know that December is the suicide rate begins an annual climb until it reaches the peak climax, which is called the big downer, which is New Year's Eve? How is it that in a wonderful life, how is it when joy has come to the world, that it could be the most depressing time in America. Because we're trying to have joy without the joy giver. We're trying to have peace without the peacemaker. 
and we find ourselves in America, we're trying to do it without the one, the creator of our soul. Amen. And we need to focus back on the main thing, which is Jesus Christ. Why would this season, what would this season be like if we had Jesus at the center of our life again? What would it be like with Jesus being the main thing? I like gifts, don't you? Two people. All right, good. I'm, I won't have to buy into the rest of y'all anything. I like gifts, don't you? It's a fun time sitting around, and I know that our kids are getting a little older, and it isn't as, uh, you know, uh, it, well, I won't say joyful. What is the word? It isn't, uh, the anticipation isn't as great because they already know what they're getting because they probably, well, I won't even go into all that. But, but when they're little kids, it's so exciting because they know what they ask for, but they ain't sure they're going to get it, right? And that excitement builds, and it's an exciting time. And, and, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's a wonderful time. But the reality is, is sometimes in our life, we, we, we miss the main thing. We miss that this is about hope. A hopeless world comes a hope-filled God that sends his only begotten son that we can have life and have it. And if we could only get people back to Jesus, if we could only get people, it, it seems so simple. It seems so, it's, it's so easy that, that we miss it. And we're trying to, to climb the corporate ladder and say, if we can just get up here, or if we can just get this group of friends, or if we can make this to happen in our life, that our life will be better. But no, we can get to the top and find ourselves empty. We can get into the circles that cause us to people say that we are popular and still find our lives feeling hopeless. But when we find Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, our life can be falling apart. But in him, we live and we move and we have our being. And somehow, in some way, in the darkest situations of our life, in situations that we do not understand or have any control over. We can find our hope is built in nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness and somehow hope will arise from the midst of your darkness. What happens is that without Jesus all people see is tinsel and lights on a dead tree. But without Jesus, there is no hope, there is no joy, and there is no peace. (laughs) Christmas is a great time of the year. Amen. Said Christmas is a great time of the year. Thought for a minute we had all Scrooges. (laughs) Just kidding, all right. Amen. But I can tell you how we can have Christmas all year long. And that is uh, go to the McDonald's in Milton any time of the year. I told them them in July, I said, coming here is like Christmas 
all year long. They said, what do you mean? I said, it don't matter what you ask for. You don't know what you got till you open that bag. And that is the honest to God truth. They can't sue me because it's the truth. Amen. (laughs) But Christmas is a wonderful, joyful time. It is a time to celebrate. It's a time to be excited. It's a time that when friends and family draw together for a few moments and we put away uh, differences and we we come and they celebrate and we, we have food, we have fellowship, we have all of those things. But the reality of it is, is even in those good times, like George Bailey, we find ourselves, he's facing criminal charges. He's, he's disgraced he, and ruined, not knowing where to go. George ends up not in a church, but ends up in a bar. I mean, no, there's a lot of folks looking for God, but don't know where to find him. Don't know what they're looking for. But he ends up in a bar. He was unaware that the most of the town people were praying for him. George George slumps in despair and desperately pleads. He says this. He said, "God, God, dear Father in heaven, he said, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and can hear me, show me the way. There are George Bailey's in your family. They're wanting to find the way. There are people at your work, at your school, that are looking for the way. There are people at Walmart that are looking. There are people in this church that are looking for the way. And we need to get back to sharing our testimony. Telling what Jesus has done for us. Telling of his goodness and his greatness in our life so that others can see the way. Amen. In an interview in 1977 with Jimmy Stewart, he says this concerning the movie and the prayer that he gives. He said, as I said those words, I felt the loneliness and the hopelessness of the people who had nowhere to turn and my eyes filled with tears. I broke down sobbing. This was not planned at all, but the power of that prayer, the realization that our Father in heaven is there to help the hopeless and reduce me to tears. What a comfort and a hope for us to believe in today that as hard as the hard time may be, The day of struggle is also a day of grace. Of the grace of God. Of the goodness of God. And you know, whenever I read that interview this week of Jimmy Stewart, I couldn't help but to think of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest which is unable to sympathize or to understand our weakness and temptations. But one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human, 
in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need. An appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. Hallelujah. I'm thankful today that this movie, you know, this movie is a great movie and and we, our family watches it nearly every year three, four, ten times. But I'm thankful that it's more than just a story, but there is biblical principle that we have a great high priest that feels our hurt, feels our pain, feels our loneliness, feels our hopelessness. Why? Because he is not just some figment of our imagination. He is one that took on the form of flesh, came and dwelt among men. He knows our hurt. He knows what it feels like to be broken. He knows what it feels like for people to to walk out of your life. He knows what it feels like for for things to to go awry and and, then your life be a, a total chaos and mess. He knows the pain praise God of all of these things he bore our sickness and carried our grief to the cross of he knows what it is to be human and he feels our hurt he feels our brokenness he feels our loneliness he feels the grief that we feel (laughs) and he comes to us and says come unto me all you that have labored and are heavy laden and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and my burdens are light. He comes and says, I come that you might have life. And that life to the fullest, more abundantly. And so so for someone here today that that says, well, pastor, you don't know what I'm living. No, I, I probably don't. But Jesus does. Pastor, you don't know what I'm dealing with. You, you haven't lived. I've had people tell me, you haven't lived my life. You can't. No, I haven't, but Jesus does. And the reality of it is, is, you know, we see this story and this little angel comes and somehow gets his wings for saving. But the reality is, is there is an angelic host that is waiting to assist you today. But more than that, there is a God that loves you. We are dealing with an orphan generation that doesn't understand father. A fatherless generation. And so whenever you say that father God loves you, they can't relate to that because they've never had known the love of a father. have never known what it is to have someone that in time of difficult situations to go and be able to talk to and get wisdom from and counsel and direction from that's the reason why that songs like good good father are 
being sung all over the world today but especially in our nation because they're so desperately wanting in difficult times to have a father that they can talk to someone to affirm them and tell them who they are but people all over our nation today have never had that but I want to tell you today if you've had a great father or if you've had lived your life with the absence of a father there is a father in heaven that loves you that will never abandon you that will never leave you alone will always be there to give you counsel and wisdom and hope for your life and if you're in a place today where it feels like that your life is in vain it feels like that you're insignificant maybe today you know there is no life outside of Jesus Christ that's just the reality of it all And maybe you're in a place today where it feels like that your life is insignificant. Maybe you're in a place today where you love God with all of your heart, but it feels like there's an emptiness and a a vain uh, place, vacuum in your life that you can't feel. Today, you can go to the Father. Today, you can call upon Him. And he promised this. He is an ever-present help in the time, not of goodness, but the time of need, the time of lack, the time whenever it seems like that there's no reason, no capability, there's no answers. But he will be your answer today. He will be your hope today. He will be your reason today to look over your life and say, there's trouble but this is a wonderful life this is a wonderful life will you stand with me today please